0: Full knee-deep lies the winter snow, and the winter winds are wearily sighing. Toll ye the church bell sad and low, and tread softly and speak low, for the old year lies a-dying. Old year, you must not die, you came to us so readily, you lived with us so steadily. Old year, you shall not die. He lieth still, he doth not move, he will not see the dawn of day. He hath no other life above. He gave me a friend and a true, true love, and the new year will take them away. Old year, you must not go, so long as you have been with us, such joy as you have seen with us. Old year, you shall not go. He frothed his bumpers to the brim, and a jollier year we shall not see, but though his eyes are waxing dim, and though his foes speak ill of him, he was a friend to me. Old year you shall not die We did so laugh and cry with you I've half a mind to die with you Old year if you must die He was full of joke and jest But all his merry quips are o'er To see him die across the waste His son and heir doth ride post haste But he'll be dead before Every one for his own The night is starry and cold my friend And the new year blithe and bold my friend Comes up to take his own How hard he breathes over the snow. I heard just now the rooster crow. The shadows flicker to and fro. The crickets chirp, the light burns low. Tis nearly 12 o'clock. Shake hands before you die. Old year, we'll dearly rue for you. What is it we can do for you? Speak out before you die. His face is growing sharp and thin. Alack, our friend is gone. Close up his eyes, tie up his chin. Step from the corpse and let him in. That standeth there alone, and waiteth at the door. There's a new foot on the floor, my friend, and a new face at the door, my friend, a new face at the door.
1: Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, right. I can hear some of you thinking. (laughs) Not everyone starts the new year with anticipation and excitement. Some of us begin the new year with trepidation. Some with regret. Some with anxiety. For some of us, 2010 was a great year. And we fear that this next one won't measure up. For some of us, it was an awful year, and we fear that our misery will continue. But all of us, no matter how we're starting this year, all of us begin this new year with things that we need to let go of. Things that are standing in our way of fully embracing 2011 and the possibility it holds for us. In many pagan traditions, centered on the rhythms of the earth and the universe, the time when the moon is waning, fading from full to new, is the time when we can release things from our life. Let them go. And since the new moon happens at 4 a.m. this Tuesday, now is our first chance in 2011 When only the barest sliver of crescent moon is visible in the night sky, our our first chance this year to free ourselves of those things that are standing in the way of our fullness, standing in the way of our happiness, standing in the way of making positive changes in our lives, standing in the way of deepening relationships taking necessary risks and chances, standing in the way of our spiritual and personal growth. So today, I ask you, what is it that you need to let go of in this season of the waning moon? What is it that's blocking you from living your life fully in 2011? What is it? If you can't think of anything, I have a few suggestions. <laughs> Courtesy of Marlene Chisholm. Chisholm is the author of a book entitled Stop Workplace Drama, and she recently wrote an article in which she outlined the things that she believes all of us should be giving up for the new year. It's a pretty good list, and I thought I'd share some of those things with you. Now, I know that many of these things, these things that she suggests we give up, I know that many of them are struggles of mine, so I'm going to be working on giving them up myself. I also know that I'm not alone. Furthermore, I know that the best way to make a change in one's life is to have a community of accountability for that change, people to support us through it. Even better is a community of people all trying to make the same change in their life. So maybe this list can be a list of things we can all try to give up together. In 2011, maybe the whole fellowship can go on what an old friend of mine used to call the low drama diet. Here are the things that Marlene Chisholm counsels us to give up. First she says, give up the need to control. Let go of impatience and complaining in our lives. Focus instead in our lives on building patience and trust. Let go of the need to control. I take yoga now every Friday, and um, I take it um, thanks to uh, a, a person in the fellowship introduced me to this yoga studio in North Salem. And from Peekskill to North Salem is quite a schlep early on Friday mornings. But I found that um, if I approach it with the right manner, in the right mood, in the right frame of mind, with the right spirit, it can be a really wonderful transition into my day, to to drive across Westchester County, to take my yoga class, and then to drive home, ready to start writing my sermon. Fridays are my sermon-writing days. So it really puts me in a good place, ready to write my sermon on Friday. And a few weeks ago, I was driving across Route 35, trying to get to yoga, and I thought I had left plenty of time to get from Peekskill to North Salem. And it turned out that um, people had decided that Friday morning that they would like to drive really slowly (laughs) on Route 35. And, And I was driving 20 miles an hour under the speed limit across Route 35 and finding myself getting angry, getting frustrated. I was gonna be late to yoga! I was getting really worked up about the possibility of being late to yoga. And I realized, driving across Route 35, that I was not in control of the thousands of drivers ahead of me going 20 miles an hour across Route 35 that Friday morning. I could control the route that I took, so I got myself off of that the first time I could and took some back roads, which didn't take any shorter. but they were freer of people and they were much prettier and i realized that i needed to look at that drive as part of the practice as the first part of the yoga practice as a, a chance to breathe and to soak in and and not to be in a rush to get somewhere when i gave up the need to control that trip i entered into the space and i wound up being on time to yoga class, but it wound up being such a more fulfilling time there. The second thing that Chisholm asks us to give up is give up receiving and giving guilt. Guilt, she explains, is usually a waste of emotional energy and a cheap method of manipulation. We should, instead of relying on guilt, whether guilt that we feel or guilt that we try and make others feel, find real reasons to do things. Real reasons to ask other people to do things. Now, I know that many of us were taught from an early age the power of guilt in our lives. I know that I was. But it's not really doing me any good. And I hazard a guess that it's really not doing any of us any good, to motivate ourselves or others from a place of feeling guilty about things. Let's find real reasons to do things in 2011. Number three, she asks us to give up changing others. Telling someone who they should be or how they should behave, she writes, makes them only resent you. We can change ourselves not others. So give up changing others, she asks us. The fourth thing is to give up comparisons. We're constantly looking at others and then looking at ourselves and judging ourselves and others by external standards. Standards that um, really don't match up. We see ourselves as better than some people. We see ourselves as worse than other people. So in 2011, Maybe our challenge should be to find a way to see ourselves for ourselves. To see others for who they are. Those of you who have been around here for a while have undoubtedly noticed that in 2010, one of the things that I did for myself, my 2010 for me, was a year of prioritizing taking care of myself. And one of the things that, that that meant was addressing some lingering health issues in my life, and thanks to the doctors that I was seeing for that health issue, um, I wound up setting on a course of of losing a lot of weight. Many of you who have seen me for the last year have noticed that. It's it's fairly obvious when someone um, gets rid of 60 pounds. um, So if if this is the first time you're meeting me, I was like this big last year. Like many people in our society, like many of you, I suspect, I have had um, a really difficult uh, time with weight um, pretty much my entire life. I I was born nine pounds, um, so it started, you know, it started in utero. uh, (laughs) But but I I was a bigger than average person. Um, But as an adult, my entire adult life, I've struggled with weight. And I'm sure I'm not the only person in this room who's been on yo-yo diets for most of the last 20 years, you're looking at me like, yeah, 20, try 40. Um, not so much for me, but, well, I know, I know what it's like. And, and I've struggled with it. And this year, one of the things that I realized was that the, the only way that I could actually successfully do this was to have reasons for doing it that were not centered around comparisons. Comparisons of myself to others unflattering comparisons that made me feel less beautiful because I was overweight. Engaging in those comparisons didn't actually motivate me to do anything for a long term. It didn't actually inspire me to to make a real change in my life. What, What inspired me to make a change in my life was a commitment to take care of myself, not some subjective notion of beauty in our world and taking care of myself meant that I had to address the outcome of these tests that the doctors were doing and the warning signs that were shown in those tests and so I started taking care of myself it's nice that I look good a little thinner but that's not why I did it and if that's why I was doing it I don't think it would be a permanent change in my life so I gave up that particular comparison in 2010 There are others I'm sure to give up in 2011. The next thing on that list is to give up self-betrayal. That's the way Chisholm puts it. But really what that means is don't be a martyr in 2011. Don't do things that you're going to resent this year. When you find yourself in a place that you're stuck When you find yourself having taken on something that you can't do for whatever reason, ask for help. Set boundaries in your life and stick to them. The more we let the boundaries in our life become loose things, the more we find ourselves crossing that boundary, and then we wind up resenting the reasons why we cross that boundary. We wind up being a martyr We wind up betraying our own sense of who we are and where we want to be. So she advises us in 2011 to give up self betrayal. Next, she advises us to give up blame. And that goes along with giving up the need to be perfect in our lives. Take responsibility, stop making excuses. Stop assigning blame for things that go wrong. That's hard. I know. It's hard for me. Things go wrong a lot because I'm not a perfect person. Now, I know I covered that particular thing just a few weeks ago, but it's an important enough message to repeat, I think. Voltaire once famously wrote that the perfect is the enemy of the good. Well, he wrote it in French, so it was something like that. But that's the way it's usually translated, at least. The perfect is the enemy of the good. Striving to be perfect, striving to always be the next better thing, stops us from seeing the good that we already are, stops us from appreciating that we're already good, stops us from appreciating that there are things in our life that are good enough. that that are adequate for our survival, that are adequate for our happiness, that are adequate even for our fullness, for our wholeness. The perfect is the enemy of the good. So maybe in 2011, we should strive to be good because none of us is going to be perfect and to stop blaming ourselves or others for those times when we fall short of perfection, because those times will be numerous. The last thing that Chisholm asks us to give up is maybe the hardest. I know that it's the hardest one on this list for me. She asks us to give up in 2011 the need to be right. No one, Chisholm writes, likes to be around a know-it-all. More than that, many of us spend a lot of time arguing endlessly about things that really don't matter at all, but we argue just to prove that we are right. I know that um, recently I read an article about the, the prevalence of smartphones and how they have ruined dinner time conversation. Because dinnertime conversation sometimes um, involves debates about this or that. Oh, do you remember this actor that was in that movie? I don't remember his name. You know, the tall guy with the blonde hair. And all of a sudden, the smartphones come out. Because, because if, 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 we're, if we're armed with a phone that can look up any piece of information in the world and we have it in our pocket, we can always be right. And so those times at the dinner table when we're trying to remember, was it the 1951 Yankees or the 1952 Yankees that won so many games? We can be right. We can look it up on our smartphone in our pocket. And this article, um, it, it said that it was ruining like real conversation among people because everything boiled down to people indulging their need to be right again and again. I'm not asking you to give up your smartphones in 2011. Lord knows I am not giving up mine. But if we give up just a little bit of our need to be right, maybe we won't check them so often at dinner. Maybe we won't Google so many things while we're actually trying to engage in the business of a relationship with people. Unitarian Universalism, this wonderful faith that we come here to practice teaches us that there is not one right answer in theology. It teaches us that we each have our own spiritual paths and that each of those paths has a bit of truth in it. There's not one right answer. There's not one book that contains all the truth in the world. There's not one right way to look at things, but together, If we come together, if we discuss with one another, maybe we can find a right way to be in the world. Unitarian Universalism teaches us that about theology. And and we come here accepting that theologically, okay, there's not one right answer. And so that makes me wonder, does accepting that encourage us instead to need to be right about everything else? in our life about politics and philosophy and design and how to load the dishwasher? I mean, does giving up the need to be right about theology encourage us to, to cling to it in other areas of our life? Maybe in 2011, we can give it up in more than one area. Theologically, maybe we're there or working towards it. Maybe we can take a cue from the theological pluralism we find in this community and embrace a wide spectrum of truth in other areas of our life as well. Maybe we can come to grips with the fact that we're not always right. Maybe I'll try. I'm going to try myself this year. I know it's a hard one for me. It's a really hard one for me. I like to be right. I, I, I really do. So I'm going to try this year and maybe you'll try with me to give up the need to be right. It's a pretty good list, right? This list that Marlene Chisholm asks us to let go of. So maybe today we can start that path, start the path of letting go of some of those things. Here in the season of the waning moon, we can start letting go of some of those things, those things that cause drama in our lives, those things that cause tension in our lives, those things that are blocking us from being all of who we know deep inside that we can be. Maybe we can commit to letting go as many of them as we can, because it's a pretty long list, and I know that I'm not going to be able to give up all of them. So maybe we'll settle for most, or even some. Maybe we can give, give them up again and again, The waning moon comes once every 28 days in 2011. 2011 has just begun, and we have our first opportunity, our first waning moon, but there'll be another one in four weeks. And so if you find yourself clinging to some of those things, you can let go of another one in four more weeks, and you can let go of yet another one four weeks after that. Perhaps if we manage to let go even some of these things, we can make room in our lives for the things that will lift us up, for the things that will fill us with joy, for the things that will deepen our spirits, for the things that will energize us so that we can serve the world. The Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman, minister and theologian, once wrote, he wrote, do not ask what the world needs. Ask, he said, What makes you come alive, and go do it? Because the world, what the world needs, is people who have come alive. All of those things, those things that Chisholm asks us to give up, they're things that are keeping us from coming alive. They're things that are keeping us from being fully alive. There are things that are keeping us from experiencing the vibrancy of our present, the possibility of our new year. And so in 2011, let us each find what will make us come alive and let go of the things that are holding us back, the things that are killing our souls, the things that are dampening our spirit. And in their place, let us find love. In their place, let us find joy. In their place, let us find justice. Let us find peace. Let us find connections, relationships, goodness. Let us find life. If we do that, no matter what happens in the world around us, 2011 is sure to be a good year. Happy New Year, everyone.